Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Just today I just want to talk about uh, something that seems very simple that maybe we kind of know about but we don't always maybe do or or remember the power when we do it. Uh, when Earth, he uh, he didn't th- make things more complicated. He simplified things. Um, he made things clearer. Uh, at that time, uh, if you're living in uh, in Jerusalem or that that time, there was uh, religious leaders that had made an extra 600 laws and added them to the Bible uh, that said you have to do this and if you want to go to heaven, if you want to obey God, to do all these other 600 things as well. Um, and they couldn't do it, obviously. And uh, so people felt condemned all the time. And so they added to it, made it much more complicated. Jesus came along and he basically looked at all that and said, well, that's not even... uh, God never said to even do that. Uh, you're making up stuff that doesn't even fit. And uh, it's just your own ideas. And he simplified things to like love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and soul, and love the neighbor as yourself. And he's uh, summed up into that. And so that's simplifying things real easy. And so, so he d- simplified things and talked about situations but made it simple for people to understand. We, unfortunately, we live in a world as, as human beings, we like to complicate things. Um, has anyone ever filled out a government form? And so, everyone laughs, but you're all like, man, why is there so much paperwork? And I just want to change my license over. And so, it's 12 pages long. And so, and so there's things that we do, it's like, and it's not just that, there's other areas as well, but we can make things more complicated and try and do this and go, like things almost, we've got to go all, do all this stuff just to get to this one thing. And so we are good at complicating things or making things harder than maybe they should be. And so Jesus made things, simplified things to help us to understand Him, to understand God and to live life. So today... I want to talk about one area that's maybe a simple thing, but it is so powerful when you understand the power of it. And uh, today I want to talk about um, when you call upon His name, when you call upon the name of Jesus. When I want to talk about the name of Jesus and minus of the power and authority that's actually in His name that is available to each and every one of us. Um, we in our world, we call in our life, we call upon many things. We can, you know, we can be in trouble, and so or something's going on, and so we call upon people to help, or friends, or family to help. We call upon an organisation to help. We might call upon the police if it's a serious matter to help, or or whatever. I call upon a doctor if you're sick, and all those things are good. They need to. There's times when we need to do that, and they can help, and we support each other, and do all those things. Uh, but there's also some things that happen that, you know, w- what do we do when we've done those things or maybe gone to someone and actually they don't have the answer or they can't help you? What do you do then? Where do you go from there? Because there's plenty of people and, you know, in this world and, and maybe people sitting here that you've, there's some things have happened. And you go, I just don't have on to people and ask for help and they don't have an answer. And sometimes, you know, and as, as Christians, we would understand that, you know, there's Jesus is, is there to help us, but we don't always go to him first. And sometimes we, we wait till the problem gets real bad. And when it gets to a Jesus-sized problem, then we ask for help. And, uh, you know, we've got the problems that are sort of this big and we go, oh, we ask everyone to help with these problems and, and then that problem maybe gets bigger and bigger or whatever or it escalates to something different and it gets real bad and you go, Jesus, help me. And he's like, okay, I can help you. He said, but if you ask me back down there, 
well, it probably wouldn't have got to here. And so sometimes forget the power and authority that's in the name of Jesus, that he's there waiting and listening um, to hear our cry, our help. And there's, and there's things he wants to do for us and helps us to understand that he can empower us and, and he can intervene in situations and change situations and stop a whole lot of stuff from happening if you allow him into your life. Some things are, you know, we, we go, it's, it's funny how we, when he is there, we go to every other avenue sometimes before we sort of think, oh, hang on a minute, why didn't I just talk to God about this? And, uh, you know, there's people also in the world that don't know about Jesus. You know, most of the people sitting here today, you would probably know about Jesus. You would understand Maybe you build out who he is, and and maybe you've known you know known him, have relationship with him for many many years. Some of you may be brand new Christians. Some of you are still trying to work it out. I don't know, but there's people in the world that have never even really heard about Jesus, and and I've heard so many stories. There's countries, you know, there might be Muslim countries or in China and places like that where it's you know it's banned if you're a Christian and found out you can put in jail, and if you talk about Jesus you can put in jail, and there's all these rules and there's persecution and stuff going on, and so there's like underground Christianity, and there's people that you know, haven't even heard about Jesus. And, and it's only stories where the things have got to a crisis point where people are like saying, look, if my, if my life doesn't change, I'm, I'm ready to end it. I'm, there's just like, and they've got no hope. They don't know about God. And it's amazing that there's like a trigger that goes on in our life when life gets tough and hard or when we get older in life, whatever it may be. And there's something triggers inside and goes, maybe I should cry out to God for help. And I've heard so many stories where they don't even know if Jesus is real or believe that he's real. And they say something like this, Jesus, if uh, whoever you are, the Christian God or whatever it may be, if, if you're real, come now and show me. Otherwise, you know, if you're real, then you, you reveal yourself to me or come and help me in this situation. And to their surprise, it's amazing how many times he just shows up. And, uh, and I've heard countless stories and, and from people themselves and read stories about, especially in other countries where there's no churches like ours and things like that, and, and they, there's someone who may be of another religion who worships all these other gods or whatever it may be, and, they've got, and they, all those gods haven't helped and all those, they've cried out to all these other things and they, at the end of their thing and the things are bad and they say, you know, if the God, the Christian God or Jesus, or if they know about Jesus or heard that name, if you are real, will you come and move? And I've read so many stories, I heard people say that when I did that, they saw there was like a person stood before them who they said that was Jesus came and spoke to them. I've heard many like that. Or an angel and just, or light filled the room and an audible voice spoke. And, and all these incredible things and absolutely just changed miracles happen so they were sick and they were miraculously healed on in a moment and so all these kind of and that's and there's not just one there's countless of those stories and they're happening even right now as I, as we're standing here there's stuff like that going on daily around the world happening right now we hear nothing about it the media doesn't talk about it but I'm telling you, there's organizations that work with these people and you can look at stuff. It's happening every day and Jesus just shows up because they called upon his name. And so the point being that Jesus is always listening to your call. Whether you have known him for many years, whether you don't know him at all, whether you know little about him or whatever it may be, whatever situation you're in, whether it's for yourself or someone else, he is always listening to your call. And the question is that why then do we talk about, why do we call upon Jesus? Why don't we talk, call on someone else's name? Like Tim, like I said in the first set, we call upon Tim's name for help. 
to save us in our situation. Our garden's dying. Tim, can you help? No, I can't. Are there fake plants? I'm good with fake plants, but no, no good with others. And so, so we can, but you know, we don't stand up here and someone needs healing. We go, in the name of Tim, be healed. Nothing happens because Tim isn't Jesus. There's only one name, the Bible says, that is a name above all names. It carries all power and authority. And so that's why we talk about Jesus. That's why we say call upon the name of Jesus, because he's the only name that carries all power and authority. I want to read you some scriptures to remind us. Sometimes it's easy to forget just how powerful Jesus is and, and actually what just speaking his name, because he did this all the time, and he told people to do this. He, he sent disciples out to do this and said, in my name, heal the sick, in my name, and, and all these things will happen. So I want to read you some scriptures. So just listen and be reminded about the power that's in the name of Jesus. In Philippians 2, chapter 6, it says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and, and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. And gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why we can call upon his name. Because he carries all power and authority. He's the name above all names. In another version that... Passion Translation, that last bit reads like this. Listen to these words. He is the divine portrait. Sorry, let me go to the one before it. He is the authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to his name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, which is Lord God, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. I love that. And every tongue will proclaim, every knee will bow in the heavenly realm the earthly realm and the demonic realm. There's not one realm that Jesus doesn't have authority over. Colossians 1.15, He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, and He is the firstborn heir of all creation. For in Him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, he, it is, all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds completion in him. Hebrews 7.25, so he is able to save fully from now throughout eternity everyone who comes to God through him because he lives to pray continually for them. That simply says that Jesus is praying for you right now. That alone is good to know. <laughs> that when you're having a bad is actually praying for you. In Matthew 8.27, it says the disciples were amazed they said, who is this man, they asked, even the winds and the waves obey him. They're in a boat at night traveling across from one place. They're all, they're, they're experienced sailors and they're in this boat, which wasn't a small boat, had, a whole, had about probably 12 or 15 people in it at least. And they're sailing along, get hit by a massive storm. Jesus is asleep up the front of the boat like it's all good. 
and they're terrified. And there's waves breaking on the side of the boat. They think they're going to die. There's probably water splashing in. And then Jesus sleeping through the whole thing because he said, hey, we're going over the other side of the thing. He knew where we're going. It was all good. They're terrified. And they wake him up. Jesus, don't you realize we're about to die? Can you please wake up? And, and what are we going to do? We're all going to die. And he simply stands up and is like, what are you guys doing? It's all right. It's a bit rocky, you know, but it's all good. And so he just stands up and simply says, be still. And they're just like, mm. and everything just went calm. The Bible says everything just went calm. Wind stopped, waves calmed down, and they and they that's when that that says, and they were amazed. They just went, "Who's this guy?" They've already been with him for a couple of years, and suddenly they ask, "Who is he again?" Like, did you just see what he just did? I knew I've seen him heal people, I've seen him raise people from the dead, but I've never seen someone just speak to the to nature. I've never seen someone speak to the waves, and they calm down instantly, and they and they were amazed. At the, at the power as he just spoke. The reason he could do that is because he created it. He was the word in the beginning. When God spoke the word, he spoke Jesus. Jesus was the word, the Bible says. He has total authority over our physical world. Mark 16, 17 says, And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. Talking about us now. They will drive out demons in, pa- in the power of my name. Note that in the power of Jesus' name, not your name, not Tim's name, not anyone else's name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Just a side note, that doesn't mean you go out and try and find a poisonous snake and go, okay, I'm protected. It's all good. Let's go play with a snake. Or let's try and drink something that's probably going to be poisonous um, because it says it on the bottle. No, it doesn't mean that. It means in those days, it happened, there's a story of Paul in the Bible where he was moving some sticks to make a fire. Poisonous snake jumped out and bit him. And and they were waiting for him. The Bible says, to puff up and die obviously it's pretty bad but makes you puff up and die and so they're like he's going to die and they were standing that all these this whole island going oh he's about to die and they're waiting for him watching him to die the bible says and so and nothing happened he wasn't affected and so they're like and then they thought he was a god after that because it's like oh it's supernatural like he said but it's exactly what jesus said there and, and, and because they were a threat to people in those days people in those days would try and poison people that were a threat so there would have been times and the bible maybe doesn't listen but there would have been times that when they would try to spike their drink or put something in the drink or poison the water or do whatever and they lived and so god says i will supernaturally protect you when you're doing things in my name and so luke 10 17 says this, when the 70 missionaries returned, Jesus sent out 70 people to basically say, you go speak and heal people in my name. He said, use my name. They come back and they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. Jesus replied, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. While you were ministering, he said, while they did it, he watched He's watching now, actually, this world, saying, while you do it, and we're saying, come on, Jesus, can you do something? And he's saying, while you do it, I've already sent you. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. The true source is that we believe 
belong to his kingdom. How do we belong to his kingdom? Because we know him by salvation. We, are, we have relationship. We have forgiveness of our sins. We know Jesus. So our true source of authority comes through relationship with him and knowing him being a part of his kingdom. John 16, 33. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrow, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. In other words, he's saying, he's not talking about physically conquering, he's talking about there's stuff that will come against you. There's spiritual things, there's things in the natural, there's people, there's situations will come against you. But he said, I've overcome the world, I've overcome those things. And he said, I will help you to overcome them as well. Acts 3, 4 to 8. This is a great story. This is a story where Peter and John are walking. Jesus, the Holy Spirit's been poured out. Peter and John are walking to the temple to pray and to worship. And there's a guy on the side there, a beggar, who's crippled, been there for many, many years. Would have been there when Jesus was around. Wasn't healed by Jesus, but is sitting there. And Peter and John looking straight into his eyes. He walked past, he's begging. They look at him. And they say, look at us, expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. And Peter said, I don't have money. Sorry, I'm broke as well. But I'll give you this, by the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Stand up and walk. The re- you note sometimes in the Bible that they will mention Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The reason why they say the full name is because there was many people named Jesus. I was watching Jesus the other day playing soccer in South America. There was actually a Jesus on each team. And Jesus scored a goal. I'm like, yes, Jesus scored a goal. It's like, of course he scored a goal. Who could stop him? He's Jesus. He wasn't the same Jesus. He wasn't Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So in those days, there was many people called Jesus. And so they'd be like, they, they would say it's Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus meaning saviour and anointed one. Christ meaning anointed one. And so of Nazareth, it wasn't Jesus who lived around the corner. It wasn't the Jesus who lived by the lake of Galilee. It was that Jesus. And so they said this is who it was. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man and he pulled the man to his feet. Suddenly power surged into these crippled feet and ankles. Note power didn't happen until he started to get up. Sometimes we sit there and wait, God will you heal me? And we do nothing about it. But he actually grabbed him by the hand and he wasn't healed yet. But as soon as he began to try and do something he hadn't done before, healed. Sometimes if you need healing in your body, you've got to try and do something you've never done before. And the moment you decide to do that, that's when faith is activated and you get healed. And so he gets up. It says power surged in his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned because he thought I was expecting money. And now my legs work. This is much better. And so, and then they began to walk around, which was a miracle because he had that strength to walk anyway. God must have restored everything, his muscles, the whole lot. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. This last scripture says this. This is a great scripture. It says in Acts 4.12, There is no one else who has the power to save us. For there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation. The name of Jesus. No one else. No one. No one else. There's only one, and that's Jesus. No other man-made God. No other person, no matter how great they might be. No one has the power except Jesus. 
I was, a couple of days ago, I was reminded about something that happened to me, and I was thinking about this, and um, earlier this year, we were overseas visiting family, and I remember that I, one night, in the, about 2.30 in the morning, I woke up, and I felt like all this fear, and I was like, and I was like, sort of woken up going, what's this? And I felt my chest was tight, and, and I was like, and like, sort of, un, you feel sort of uncomfortable, or whatever, and I'm like, what's this? This is weird. And I, my, my thought was like, why is this? And then I started to think, what, how come I possibly feel as though something happened or I've done, I've done something, I've done nothing or whatever. So I quickly attained that it was supernatural, it was spiritual. Like the enemy will come and try and intimidate you and, and whatever. And so I worked that out. And then my next thought was, this was a matter of moments, but my next thought was I'd had people talk to me over the years that said, you know, had struggled and they'd have dreams and they'd have uh, nightmares. And they said, oh, and I feel like this, all this fear all the time and it's on my life. And, and then they would describe it. And they kind of described what I felt. And I thought, this is terrible. Like, oh, it was bad. Like I thought, I'd, I'd never want to feel like this. And I thought that, you know, people... If people are living with this all the time, they must be in total torment of fear. And so, and so I, that's the thought. And then my next thought was, well, this shouldn't be happening to me. And now I had that thought because it wasn't because, oh, well, I'm so good and I've done the right thing and all that kind of stuff. I simply had that thought because I knew that Jesus lived on the inside of me. I knew the authority in his name. And I thought, enemy, you have no right to even be in this room. You have no right to intimidate. You have no right to bring some kind of fear or whatever. You have no right to do it. And I just simply said, under my breath, in Jesus' name, get lost, started speaking in tongues. Within, within a minute or two, it was completely gone. And I was went back to sleep. And so, and so, you know, but there's people, I realize, that feel that way and have no way out because they don't know. They don't even realize, they think, oh, why am I feeling this fear? It must be something I've done. And they don't even realize it's a spiritual thing. And they don't know about Jesus. And they don't know the power that's in his name. Also, that I could have been there. I could have known all about Jesus. I could have known about the Bible and read about Jesus. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing him. Authority comes through relationship. Because you can know about Jesus and, and have no power. But you can know him and know his authority and power can be released. A story that shows this is in Acts 19. And there's a, there's a group of, it's a pretty crazy story actually. It leads to something incredible after it. But it says there was, uh, now there were seven itinerant Jewish exorcists. That's what the Passion Translation calls them. And they were going around, you know, because in those days, and still in other parts of the world, people are much more spiritually aware than we are in our Western world. If you go to Africa and you go to play South America and all that, there's all kinds of stuff, voodoo and all that kind of stuff in different places and, and witch doctors. And, and so they're much more spiritually aware. They're spirit, so there's stuff like this is, is even in our, theme, in our world that we live in here, but people aren't aware of it as much and we don't talk about it as much, but this is very evident. So people could see that there was demonic stuff happening in people's lives. And so there's this group of seven guys and they were called the sons of Sceva, the high priest, who took it upon him and used the name and authority of Jesus over those who were demonized. So they went around and they, what happened was they saw Paul, the apostle of Jesus who wrote half the New Testament, they watched what Paul did 
did. And obviously, he was doing a lot better than them. And so having a much higher success rate than they were, and I'm not sure what they were doing beforehand, but they thought, well, if, look what Paul's at. And it's incredible. If you read before, there's incredible miracles happening, like unbelievable miracles happening all over the place. And, and, um, and so they're watching this. So they said, oh, we're going to do this too. It's like, here's the, we've, we've listened to the formula. We've watched what Paul did. We heard what he said. So we'll just do the same thing. And so they would say, we cast you out in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. They didn't know Jesus. But they thought, oh, well, we'll just, we'll just say, in the name of the Jesus. Because remember, in those days, there was, could be many Jesuses around. And so... In the name of the Jesus, not Jesus around the corner, but the, the, wherever he is, the Jesus that Paul preaches, because they didn't know him. And that's what they said. And one day, when they said these words, the demon in the man replied. It's a bit freaky when this happens. I know about Jesus, and I recognize Paul, but who do you think you are? Says to seven guys. Now imagine their faces like, oh. And then it says this. Then the demonized man jumped on them, threw them to the ground, beating them mercilessly. I said that same, that word. M-E-R-C-I-L-E-S-L-Y. He overpowered the seven exorcists until they all ran out of the house naked and badly bruised. There's a bit of action going on right there. And so that would have been a crazy day in the city. Seven guys suddenly are screaming, there's yelling, there's stuff flying everywhere. They run out of the place naked. And, and you know, and so, you know, what's going on? Demon guy just beat up seven guys that tried to do what Paul's doing. And then and after that, if you keep reading, the whole city was filled with the awe of God and the fear of the Lord. And a massive revival actually happened out of that. And so, but the point being that they didn't know Jesus. They knew about him. They copied and said what Paul was doing, but they had no authority because they didn't actually know who Jesus was and had no relationship with him. Authority and power comes with relationship to Jesus. So there's different reasons why we may call upon the name of Jesus. Why you may, why I may. And there's personal reasons. You might be in trouble. You might be sick might be unwell. You might need healing for something like that. We may feel under spiritual attack. Like that story I said before, there's like this fear, or I recognize it was spiritual. I thought, that's just weird. That can't be there. And so I just said, in Jesus' name, and that was enough. We may be overwhelmed with life. People get overwhelmed with the things of life. We may ask to be forgiven, may can call upon his name and ask for salvation. It says in Acts 2.21, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus is always willing to listen. He's not busy on Mondays or Tuesdays and can only see people Wednesdays. He's, he's always available 24 hours a day. He's always listening for a call from anyone, no matter who it is. Jeremiah 33.3 says this, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you and even show you great and mighty things. This is the amplified version. Things which have been confined and hidden which you do not know and understand and cannot distinguish. So you can actually call and ask and he will actually show you and give you wisdom and, and show you things you didn't know. And Psalm 120 verse 1 says, I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him and he answered my prayer. God is always listening. He's always listening for your cry. No matter what 
and you know what you're going through. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have any troubles, everything should be fine. Jesus actually said you will. You will have some sorrows and you will have some troubles. He said that's fine because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that isn't perfect. and You'll have them, but he said, I'll be with you through it all and you can overcome them. But call upon my name. Don't leave me out of the situation. Call me into the situation. We can also call on behalf of other people. You might have family or friends that are sick or unwell or in trouble or whatever it may be. And we can actually pray on their behalf. We can actually intercede, the Bible uses that word as well, intercede for them. We stand in the gap for them. In 1 Timothy 2, 1-4, to it says, Most of all, I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God. Pray for all men and with all forms of prayers and requests as you intercede with intense passion. And pray for every political leader and representative so that we would be able to live tranquil, undisturbed lives as we worship the awe-inspiring God with pure hearts. It is pleasing to our Saviour God to pray for them. Talking about political leaders, specifically talks about that. How often do you pray for our leaders of our nation? Not just one side that you vote for, all of them. My uncle's a federal member in in uh, Parliament, and I pray for him all the time. And and they and there's some very good men and women in, in our government. We always the media always tells about the bad stuff that's going on, but there's some great men and women. Things that happen we don't even know about, but we need to pray for them. We need to pray for our local government. We need to pray for our local councillors. You need to pray for your boss. You need to pray for your teachers. You need to pray for whoever it may be. You need to pray for our leaders. And it says it's pleasing to God when we do it. So if you want to please God, pray for your leaders. He longs for everyone to embrace his life and return to the full knowledge of the truth. That's why he says pray for them. Because he says, I want all of them to know the full knowledge of God. I want them to know me. So we see that there's like, there's ways that we can pray. There's things we cry for. You may have cried out for God for help for something in your own life. But we have an opportunity to also pray on behalf of God. Of others. When I was thinking about this message, I started to think about of uh, some people in the Bible, but others as well that have called upon Jesus. And if you read the story of John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, who ended up being uh, pivotal in stopping the slave trade from Africa to England, he uh, was a slave ship driver and, and was taking slaves and, and all that kind of stuff, was on a boat, and then one time traveling back from Africa, to, um, to England, he, in his, when he went to God, but had deliberately sort of put that aside and, and he just went and lived his own life and was living a life that wasn't godly at all and doing things he shouldn't have been doing and living on these boats in these conditions, you can imagine. And so he suddenly is traveling and in about early hours of the morning, they hit this massive storm. So bad that waves were breaking on top of the ship, knocking guys off into the water. And, uh, and people were, you know, getting washed overboard. And they thought that this is it, we're going we're gonna to die. And a, and a hole got knocked in the side of the boat. So they were taking on water. And so John Newton, with what he knew, it says he walked out on the deck, seeing what was going on in this massive storm, and he cried out to God. The Bible says, not the Bible says, but his biography says, and the Bible says, John Newton's in there. And so, he just, it's the book of Newton. And so, and so he cried out to God, and it says at that moment they hit a wave, and all the cargo underneath broke off, but actually went straight to the side of the ship and blocked the hole and stopped the leak. And they, lent, they got through the storm and they went back to England, and that was the, that was the moment that at that moment in that boat he said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. 
And then it took a few years for him to, he t his lifestyle took a few years to try to change that whole thing and do what he did for many years and, and totally change around. And But out of that, and then in the next coming sort of months, he wrote Amazing Grace and he wrote those songs that saved a wretch like me and, and all of that. And so that's, he simply called upon God and in the midst of a storm found him and was saved, physically saved, and all the men on that ship were saved as well. There's another... There's another man in the Bible, and I've uh, got two short stories to share. One is Blind Bartimaeus, which is an incredible story about someone calling upon Jesus. And it says, When Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined them. Upon leaving the village, they met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road named Tamai, which is, is a one translation means Bartimaeus, the son of Tamai, because his dad was named Bartimaeus as well. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, He'd heard about Jesus, but never met him. And when he heard he was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction. Heal me. Starts yelling it out. Those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making so much of a disturbance. These are people that are following Jesus, watching miracles happen. Said, oh, I'm following Jesus because other disciples followed him and believed in him. But yet these same people, when he starts yelling out on the side of the road, start scolding him, saying, how dare you make such a disturbance? May we never be those people. May we never be people that, maybe we never ever, you know, not allow, stop someone from calling out in the middle of a service even, or outside, or have a conversation, or chat to about Jesus. May we never be those people that ever stop anyone coming to church or having a conversation about Jesus. May we never be those people. And so these people said, be quiet. But he kept shouting with all his might. He didn't care. Son of David, he thought, this is my only chance maybe that I'm going to have Jesus walk by. Son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Jesus stopped and said, call him, call him to come to us. So they went to the blind man and said, have courage, get up. Jesus is calling for you. I don't know if it's the same guys. If it is, they're schizophrenic. But... um. Uh, probably another group came over and said, look, he's calling for you. Get up. Otherwise, that had a big change of heart in a few seconds. So he threw off his beggar's cloak because he thought, I'm getting healed. I'm out of here. Jumped up and made his way to Jesus. Remember, he's blind. They would have let him. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? That seems a strange question because he would have seen he's blind. But some people come to Jesus for different reasons. And Jesus will always ask you, why? What do you want from me? Do you really want to be healed? Because not everyone does, sadly. We haven't got time to talk about that. But do you really want what I have for you? Do you really want your life to change? Because his whole life was about to change. And so he comes and says, what do you want me to do for you? The man replied, my master, please let me see again. Jesus responded, your faith heals you. Go in peace with your sight restored. And all at once the man's eyes opened and he could see again. And he began at once to follow Jesus walking down the road with him. It's a cool story. It's a great story. He simply called. He said, this could be my only chance. Jesus is walking by and he begins to call out the name of Jesus. In the Old Testament, before we share this last story, in the Old Testament, we get a picture of, of God said to the, the people of Israel all through the Old Testament that they, he would say, separate yourselves from those that are doing evil. So there'd be, there'd be groups of people and cities and things like that that they knew about God, but they didn't want to do it our way. And they did terrible things. They sacrificed people. They sacrificed stuff to their gods. And all these terrible things happened. And so in the Old Testament, God said, 
you are my people, separate yourself from these people. So that's why they lived away from them. They lived outside cities or Moses lived outside the city and, and, all, and Lot and people like that to try and separate themselves from the evil and the sin that was going on. And so we see that happen. But in the New Testament, Jesus comes and flips the whole thing upside down because Jesus went and deliberately found those who were evil, went and found those who were full of sin. He found the most broken, the most hurting, and he went and healed them. Why? What's the difference? Jesus had all authority over all things. He had authority over sickness, over disease. Evil didn't affect him. He wasn't worried by it. He went in and actually brought light into the darkness. And so he came and said, no, God has now come. I am God. I'm the Son of God, and I will show you how to live. And that hasn't changed. So even now that we as people who follow Jesus, that same power and authority is in us and we are to bring light. So we're not to stay away from those that don't know Jesus or, or are broken and all this stuff going on. We can actually go into people's lives, into situations and bring light. That doesn't mean we do what we, they do. It means we just bring light in the situation and we show Jesus to them. That's what Jesus would want us to do. Otherwise, how else would they ever meet him if we don't go? And so... Jesus, throughout the whole New Testament, through the, through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that he was always going and meeting people. He would go to places that other people wouldn't go. He would talk to people that other people said, you can't talk to like people from a Samaritan woman. You can't talk to her. You can't talk to a Samaritan. You can't talk to that person because they're unclean or whatever. And so this story is about 10 lepers. And the and in the Bible, leprosy is a representation of evil and sin. They would say uh, in those days that they believed if someone had leprosy, that they, would, they had that because they had done, been a terrible person, they'd sinned, they'd done something really bad. So they've got, look at this disease they've got. And that probably wasn't true, but that's what they had said. They just basically got a disease, same as other people were sick. And so because you had leprosy and you're so contagious, you had to live outside the city. And if you were living in those days and, uh, and you came across a leper and you actually touched whether you, whether you touched the leper or not or touched their clothing and uh, it doesn't mean you had leprosy or got leprosy, you might be fine. But because you touched them, they would say, well, you're unclean, so you can't be with us either. And so they, it was like you were you had taken sin upon. It's like you were you were unclean as well. And but we see that Jesus at another time, not this story, he goes and deliberately lay hands on a leper, and he's completely healed. And Jesus had the power and authority over all sickness, over all disease. And so at whatever it was, it didn't apply to him. He said, they would say, oh, you're unclean. No, he said, I'm the one that makes them clean. I am the all powerful. I carry life. I speak it. It runs through me. And so the moment that he touched that leper, the disease had to be made well because it couldn't stay a disease anymore because it had come in contact with the saviour of the world, the healer of the world. And so we see this story that people would avoid lepers. They would try and get around. You know, they wouldn't go near them. And because in this story, these 10 lepers, he, they, he walks and he meets them outside the city. They wouldn't let lepers live in a city. You had to live outside in a leprosy in a camp. And uh, you weren't allowed to hang out. You could hang out with other, other lepers, but you couldn't be with everyone else because you were diseased, you were contagious, and you obviously had some stuff going on in your life that wasn't good. And so you have to stay outside there. But Jesus went and looked for these people. 
And so he's reading Luke 17, Jesus traveled toward Jerusalem and passed through the border region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered one village, 10 men approached him, but they kept their distance because they had to do that. They had to, if they were coming near people that didn't have leprosy, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean. In other words, we've got, we're lepers, we're lepers. And they had to yell out what they were before people. And so they called out. They shouted to him, Mighty Lord, our wonderful master, won't you have mercy on us and heal us? They'd heard about Jesus, maybe never met him. Then Jesus stopped to look at them. He spoke these words, Go to be examined by the Jewish priests. And they set off. Now, he didn't lay hands on them. He didn't say, Be healed. He just said, Go show yourself to the priest. So to be free from your, to be allowed back in the city, you had to be, when you realized that you were healed, you had to go show yourself to the priest, the high priest. And the high priest said, yeah, you're free from leprosy. You could go back and live with your family, go back and live in the city. Now, it doesn't say they were healed straight away. He just said, go and show yourself to the high priest. So they could have said, oh, but we're not healed yet because they weren't. They saw leprosy. But they didn't. They believed Jesus and that was where their faith kicked in and they believed that he'd said it. So if we go and do it, Maybe something will happen. And so they set off and they were healed while they walked along the way. They weren't healed in that moment. But as they started to walk, suddenly they watched their leprosy be healed. All the disease, all the stuff off their hands just healed up as they walked. All ten of them. All ten of them. And I love this. This next part is both good and both sad at the same time. One of them, a foreigner from Samaria. Now, He's from Samaria, so he, Jews and Samaritans didn't really talk. They're meant to not like each other. They didn't talk to each other. So the fact that he was a Samaritan was a big thing to come and even talk to Jesus. One of them, a foreigner from Samaria, when he discovered that he was completely healed, turned back to find Jesus, shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. When he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet and thanked him over and over, saying to him, You are the Messiah. This man was a Samaritan. And now listen to this. So where are the other nine? Jesus asked. Weren't there ten who were healed? That's one of the saddest lines in the Bible because they don't realize what they've missed out on what he's about to receive. He's like, where are the other nine? He knew they were all healed, but that wasn't the point. Because this one, one man came back to give thanks to God, this is what happened. They all refused to return to give thanks and give glory to God except you, a foreigner from Samaria. Then Jesus said to the healed man lying at his feet, Arise and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and healing. In other words, because he came back and thanked God, he received salvation as well. The other nine were all healed, but they didn't receive salvation because they didn't come back and give thanks to God. I've seen people, worship team come up, I've seen people in our church and heard you know, stories of people as well that I know some of you have told me that I've seen people come and get miraculously healed right here, right at the front here. Miraculous, just incredible miracles. And I've seen them come and get healed and they've left and never come back. They never got saved, they never gave their life to Jesus. They just sort of said, oh, that was awesome, thank you so much. And they've gone off. And I, that, can, that sort of bewilders me. I think, well, how can you have an encounter with God like that and then not want to pursue him? Now, they obviously, they, 
something happened in their life. But it's still your choice whether you want to submit your life and give your life to Jesus. And that's exactly what that story says right there. There was one that came back. He was healed. And it's great to be healed while you're on earth, but salvation is eternal. Salvation is much better than being healed. If you haven't got, if you had a choice between the two, you'd always pick salvation first. Jesus can save you and heal you like that man there, but it's your choice. They cried out for the healing and thought, oh yes, I'm healed. Now I can go back and go back into the village. I can live, I can do all this stuff. And they didn't realize that they'd missed the most important thing in their life. Maybe down the track they did. Maybe they did receive salvation at a later date. The Bible doesn't tell us. There's power in the name of Jesus. Why don't you stand to your feet today? I don't know where everyone's at today, but I want to ask you a question, a question we ask every meeting, every time we get together. Just close your eyes for a moment just before we finish this service. You might be here and you don't know Jesus. You can simply call upon his name, the Bible says, and you'll be saved. In other words, you can call upon the name of Jesus and he'll hear your cry. He knows, he sees exactly where you're at. He knows the condition of your heart, the condition of your life. He sees any brokenness. He sees hurt and pain. He sees things that maybe others don't even know about. And he comes to you today and says, if you call upon me, he says, I'll bring you healing. I'll restore your life. If you ask me, I'll forgive you your sin. I'll make you brand new. I'll change. Coming to Him means your life stops at that point and goes a different direction. You're now living for Him. He will come and restore you and make you a brand new person. He'll help you to think differently and to understand. He'll give you, the Bible says, He'll give you abundant life. He wants you to live life through Him, His way. So if you're here today and you've never done that, maybe you've done it a long time ago and you've kind of, you know, you're away from it, you're separated from Him, or maybe you've never ever done this, but today you said, I need to, today's my day, I need to give my life to Jesus, I need to ask Him into my life, I need to surrender my life to Him, ask Him to forgive me of my sin, I don't want to be brand new, I want to be brand new. If that's you today, just put your hand up and say, that's me today, will you pray for me, I'd love to pray for you love to pray for you today if you've never done that or you need to do that today the second thing I want to ask is this if you're here and this could be for yourself could be for someone else it could be for family or friend there might be a great need in your life and you're saying I just need to call upon his name today I know Jesus you've reminded me of the authority that's in his name and by faith, you can just say, Jesus, will you intervene in the situation? Jesus, will you come and intervene in my situation? Will you intervene in my friend or my family situation? If that's you today and you, you're saying, oh, hey, that's me. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.